Hello and welcome to Unpacking Contract Law, the UK-based contract law podcast delivering unsolicited opinions on new and old contract law cases. The purpose of these podcasts is to provide you with an insight into our thoughts, ideas and ideologies around all things contract law. It also provides us with an outlet for all our opinions, so you listen at your own peril. Each podcast will feature a new contract law case with a discussion from three contract law enthusiasts. And it is thus my great pleasure to introduce you to Maggie Hemsworth, Severine Santier, and myself, Tim Dodsworth. Welcome to Unpacking Contract Law. Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, uh, everybody. Welcome to podcast number nine. Uh, with uh, Maggie Hemsworth. It's eight. Actually, it's eight. <laughs> it's eight, just oh, to be picky. Gosh, who is counting between friends how many podcasts we've done? True, true, we, should, we shouldn't count. We shouldn't count, but it is eight. Yes, yes. Least, Tim, Tim yes, says it's eight. It is. Absolutely. So, I am told now. So, welcome to podcast uh, eight with uh, Maggie Hemsworth and uh, Dr. Tim Dodsworth and myself, Severine Santier, and we are going to talk about a wonderful case, Green versus Bedfred. It's So, Mr. Green quite likes to uh, gamble uh, online, and one evening he plays for about five and a half hours uh, online with Bedfred after midnight, and he wins nearly £2 million. So he tries to cash it in. And when he's doing that, he's told that it cannot be done because it needs to be following the normal procedure, such a large amount that it needs to be checked. When they check, uh, they refuse to pay out because there was a glitch in the game. And this is the wonderful bit of the case. The glitch was such in the software that when you play continuously, the odds are getting better. Uh, Mr. Green plays for about five and a half hours and effectively had he continued, he would have, you know, broken the bank and he would have won every single time. So, of course, Bedfred refuses to pay, saying that their liability is excluded under the terms of the contract to which Mr. Green had consented well before he played. He had joined Bedfred back in 2013. And the dispute ensues. So here we are. The Mrs. Justice Foster replied that, in fact, Bedfred was not entitled to rely on the exclusion clause, that the exclusion clause didn't actually, the clause that they were trying to rely upon did not really cover what they were trying to exclude. Even if it had, it was not properly incorporated. And in any case, the Consumer Rights Act covers Mr. Green. So here we are, very Tarantino-esque facts. Mr. Green playing after midnight for five and a half hours on his phone. Here we are. I love this case because of lots of different reasons, but I hear Tim is going to disagree with me. So a lot of happy discussion we're going to have. A fair decision, the right decision. What do you think, Tim and Maggie? Yes, yes, I think it is a fair. De- I mean, I think the outcome is is undoubtedly fair. Um, for for various reasons, but there's it's a quite a laborious way of getting there. No, we're not we're not bothered about whether it's fair. <laughs> we're not bothered about whether it's fair. It's, uh, we okay, use that okay. word. It's, it it's, offends it's me. It's the right decision on the facts. Is it just? It's, it's, is it's it both right? just and right. I would say. However, it's a a very laborious way of getting there, and I think in part the tests that the judge uses aren't quite right but I think we'll get to that get to that later on so in in short I think my answer is for now yes it is okay Maggie I think it is the correct outcome points that are 
being made, I think, are the correct points to be made. I think, Severine, when you you mentioned to me about it, you you weren't that happy with the sequence Mm -hmm. of the points made. You thought it was a a little strange to start with the interpretation of the terms and then secondly look at incorporation. Well, it's it's not that I disagreed. It's just it suddenly dawned on me that's not how we teach and I think yes. you know for yeah. our listeners it's actually yeah. quite interesting you know we tell our students always do things logically and there is no point in interpreting the clause if it's not incorporated so yes but can I just offer this as a thought yes we do teach students that sort of hurdle approach that the first hurdle that you have to sort of get over as it were uh, physically is that are these terms incorporated which is the jargon for is it part of the deal at all and then secondly if it is part of the deal what does it mean and does it apply here but you can see in a sense when you think about it on a more sort of deeper level all right we're talking for students who are very new to, to contract law but at a deeper level when you sort of drill down and look at a case, for example, like Interphoto Stiletto, where mm-hmm. Lord Bingham is saying the more onerous and unusual the term, the more that has to be done in order to mm-hmm. bring it to the reasonable attention of the other party. And you see where I'm going with this? In a sense, yes. you have to look first at the meaning of the term to uh, understand whether it is onerous or unusual. So in a sense, that sort of first question incorporation, second question interpretation or construction, yes, that works most of the time, but it is not wrong, is what I'm trying to say, uh, to look at the two together in a sense. Um, And that I think is what happened in the court. Uh, that they were first looking at what's the meaning of all these 24 pages of of text here that Mr. Green just simply clicked on and got going with his gaming habit, as it were. Um, we, we have to unpack that as we try and unpack the case generally. Uh, we, we have to unpack the meaning of that before we can try and work out had Betfred done enough to bring those particular terms to Mr. Green's attention. So they're sort of very closely related, I suppose, is what I'm saying. So it's a pedant's point uh, that I'm making. I agree with you. I, I agree. I think if we if we ask the question of, it, does it even cover the breach? And if it doesn't, then I guess we don't even need to talk about whether it's part of the contract or not. So in, in that sense, I, may, I think that makes that makes complete sense. But I mean... But, the, but the, that, that same simple question, Tim, is exactly the same yeah, exactly. for incorporation. Yeah, yeah. And I've said this to students time and time again. If it is not incorporated, yeah. game over. Uh, no pun intended, but you know that, that's the. But I also think what, what what it highlights, and the reason why I I asked uh, the, the question, it's because then you know the way. The way we teach, you know, we use the law, but of course we teach a little bit in steps and silos to try to break everything down. But it's nice for everybody listening, whether you are students or whether you're just interested into what we have to say. It's really nice to see that actually we have to teach in steps, but in fact those steps are often intertwined and so therefore absolutely you know chicken and egg which one you know indeed game over no pun intended but i will repeat it because it's a good one it was one. a good one, it was uh, a good one. <laughs> you know indeed if it's not incorporated but if it is an onerous term you need to see you need you know and therefore it needs a higher standard of um uh, by bedfred here uh, therefore you need to actually know whether it is an onerous yes. term and, it and when you here. and when you talk about steps severine this is to underline for uh, for students listening this is the, the game that's analysis. Yeah. So when we're talking about steps, we're really talking about analysis, which is sort yeah. of like dissecting uh, the problem out into its component elements. So yeah. these are just techniques to try and help you with that. But there was something else, Tim. You're not happy with it in terms of its reasoning then or what? Well, hello. This is future Tim interjecting briefly. The discussions after the podcast continued, and so our positions may have changed slightly 
in terms of what you're about to hear. Uh, We're keeping the podcast as it is because this is only one small point, but we do want to add the health warning about how we characterise the law in a bit. The position I take about incorporation by signature being essentially the nail in the coffin is more correct than we might assume in the next few sections. There is a new case that's just been decided um, towards the end of 2021, which is Blue Sky Solutions and Bee Caring Limited. Um, Here the judge confirms for one the position about incorporation by signature, but goes on to question whether this should be true where the incorporation is by signature and by reference. A very interesting case. So this podcast is very much a snapshot of what we believe the law to be uh, rather than a clear statement on the law. I will hand over. Please continue to enjoy. Yes, let's, let's, so if we, if we start off on the incorporation point, we'll, we'll get, I think we can get to the, uh, the interpretation in, in, in a moment. I think particularly in light of the Consumer Rights Act, but let, let's, let's kind of jump in at the incorporation point. When we click on a button online, if I understand law commission and so on and so forth correctly, that's the same as a signature, is it Ms. not? Foster made the reference that effectively it's a quick click wrap and online by the fact that you click on I accept, that's it. There is, you know, incorporation and, you know, yes. So it 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 is an acceptance. Um, whether well, it could it, be. I think, I just to be pedantic again, it could be. Uh, but uh, it, that's not the end of the story, is it? Um, and, no, and that, but that's I what came out of, of, of the Green case. Simply no, 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 no. clicking I... on 24 pages doesn't mean that all of those 24 pages have been incorporated. Uh, it's, it's a prima facie uh, working assumption, if you like. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. I mean, I'm... I'm, I'm... Well, no, actually, I disagree with that. I, I, and, and this is part of where I disagree with the case, because... It wasn't wasn't the strange and Graucorp pretty clear that the onerous test, the interphoto test, doesn't apply in cases where there's a signature, unless you're going down the non est factum kind of route. As far as I understand yes, but here it, we not talk, but here, yeah. so because because of what you said, you said does it abound to a signature? I think we need to, you know, this is not a this is not a formal contract, yes, uh, and so therefore I think we need to disentangle, uh, you know, the signature from the acceptance because I think they are, you know, different. And here, uh, when you see when you mean signature, I understand it to mean that it has to be signed formally and therefore that bring that brings to me you know electronic signature and to me that's a different thing but maybe tim i misunderstood what you said but what i, do you I mean thought i signature? thought clicking clicking i accept on the terms and conditions was the same as a signature i don't think there was any there's any formality over and above and that is one of the big issues yeah well i i, I would i would agree with that but but my beef is that's not game over to continue with the pun um, because you, you have to drill down into more detail Other, otherwise we wouldn't have an argument about the detail of these terms if 24 pages and simply click that's it they're incorporated well that's not the well, end no, of because, the story because then it? we because go to interpretation some of those will be straightforward terms and so, well even before that but some of them will be straightforward terms and some of them won't and I, and I don't think automatically displaces what Lord Bingham is trying to say the more onerous a particular part of those 24 pages then perhaps simply just the click wrap as you refer to it is not enough. I agree. And in fact, that's what uh, uh, Mrs. Uh, Foster says, that actually it is not uh, precisely because, and I'm going to use another wonderful word uh, that uh, uh, Mrs. Justice Foster uses, that the contract is full of infelicities uh, here. You know, the, the clauses are, you know, weird, obscure. They are opaque. They're not very well written. They are hidden. Uh, you need to do lots of different clicks in order to find it. Uh, and so as a result, I think that confirms, you know, the 
the, the, the entwined aspect of acceptance, which I would use rather than signature, because signature is too formal for me. Acceptance is enough, surely. Uh, consent is given, and so therefore that is the acceptance of the offer. Uh, but of course, as you said, uh, not the end of the story. It needs to be formally shown that they have accepted those terms, uh, that those terms were therefore sufficiently drawn to their, uh, uh, to Mr. Green's attention. And in here, they are All not. All the cases that we've got on the owners, Thornton and Shoe Lane Parking, Parker Southeastern Web, all of those are incorporation by notice or reference. None of them, none of them cover incorporation by signature. And, and there's a good theoretical reasoning behind that, in my mind, is that once you sign, you give up that right to actually check the terms, which is much more difficult if it's a notice in a shop or if it's somewhere else. Now, there is an argument I think we can make is that if we are saying that each contract every single time is, is when you click on the bet, in other words, then it would be by notice rather than by signature, then there might be an argument, but I don't think that argument is properly made in, in, in this. Also, we should circle back on this, on that lovely word. I mean, that, that, you don't get that very often, do you, in, in, in felicity? You don't get that in, very in often, felicity. do you? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a rather quaint old English word. I, I looked this up. This is Middle English word for anyone who's into, I think it's etymology. Um, um, something like that, uh, dates from the 14th century. And actually, there's a pretty girl's name, oh, yeah. Felicity. Yeah. There may be a Felicity out there listening. Uh, and and uh -huh. Felicity uh, means happiness. So if you say something is infelicitous, or it's a rather a, a odd way of saying it, but it's unhappy. Well, that was its original meaning, and it's become kind of like understood a little bit broader than that. So inappropriate, in the wrong place, perhaps. Uh, and so the learned judge is, is using it to try and say the unhappy. drafting of this is unhappy, might be a, a more modern way of saying that. So what she's saying... I would assume saying, the solicitor. Well, yes, quite. When I looked at that, uh, she's really saying, Bet Fred, <laughs> you've got to go yeah. back to the drawing board, lads, because these 24 pages, some of it in uppercase, some of it in lowercase, some of it in font 8, some of it in font 12 with spelling errors, uh, a lot of it unnumbered, a lot of it with no side headings, forget it. Uh, it, it in other words, yes. change your solicitor. Yes, yeah, so, so, so do you see, Tim, that your argument about signature is just too blunt an instrument? Because it would. But it was. That's why we well, have that, the unfair contract no, terms. No, that's why I, we have I the Consumer think, Rights Act. No, it, it won't. It won't pass muster with the common law, let alone the Consumer Rights Act. But I think the Consumer Rights Act would just kick it into the long grass. That sort of <laughs> argument. Otherwise, traders could produce three hundred pages of close text and say, "Here, sign that." End of story. That can't be right. Even the common law. Would, would would balk at that. The power of the signature, yes, is a forceful one. I accept that so far. But it is not end of story. No more arguments simply because you've pressed a button, click accept, or you've actually put your name in blood or ink on a piece of paper. It's forceful, but not the end. That's my view. <laughs> I'm sticking Just with so it. that we clarify what it is that we are talking about for my little brain, uh, when you say incorpor incorporation by signature here, Tim, you're referring to the Lestrange and Grokop case? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. So, yes, I, I agree yes. with Maggie. Good woman. Good <laughs> well, woman. Makes a change. <laughs> well, there you are. You're outnumbered. So it's the tyranny as, of the as majority. Always, again. As always. It's the, no, uh, I think... the monstrous regiment of women. I think in the in the, the felicities of this world, we are happy and let's show him that we are infelicitous towards him. Yes. <laughs> no, he's a nice. With well, such a beautiful he's world, on this point, he's That's just all. wrong. He's just wrong. No, I, I, well, okay. I think though that the common law does step in. The common law steps in with the construction and interpretation point. 
And I think that's where that's where we that's where uh, we step well, I, in. Well, I think the common law would have something to say at the incorporation stage. But now we're, now just, we're just going around in circles. Uh, yeah. uh, really, as to the extent of the help help that the common law can give someone like Mr. Green, I think that's that's what we're arguing about. Right. <laughs> Shall we move on <laughs> to the interpretation point then? Where do we stand on that? Actually, the, the point that, that really interested me, actually, there were several points that really interested me. Um, uh, one, of, one of them was this idea that was brought up quite often is the layout of the document adding in to the transparency of the term. Now, I've always read, to be honest, and, and I don't know whether this is a beef or whether this is actually just a, actually quite a good idea. I've always read Section 64.3 of the Consumer Rights Act on transparency to mean that we're looking at the, the term itself. Is the term transparent? But no, it's, the whole, it's actually it's quite the, well, interesting whole, to say, you know, it's thing. the whole contract. But I, I think Section 64.3, and I've not got it up in front of me, does actually refer to the transparency of the term. But I guess the term happens in a context. Yeah, yeah happens no, it, in a context, does, yes. and we can take into account uh, that context. But, That's but, good. Yeah, okay, but but the, again, the common law would say um, you can't just simply look at a term in isolation. And we don't do that with construction or interpretation, do we? We would teach students that's very wrong to to because the judges repeatedly say you you it's not the passing of, of words. You wouldn't look at a simple word. You have to look at that word, that phrase, that sentence, that paragraph, that clause. It is like circles, a sort of ripple pond. Uh, with a stone in the middle, as it were, casting these ripples out and out and out and out and out. And you keep going uh, to the four mm -hmm. corners of the contract and, and you will know that there are some instances when you can go outside the contract to the, the background factual matrix and, and so forth. Um, so I, I think the common law would support the Consumer Rights Act, in, and I'm sure this, um, any consumer lawyers out there would know better than me, that there will be decisions of the Court of Justice of the uh, European Union that say that transparency is not purely about the understanding of a word or phrase. It is to do with things like the font size, uh, the legibility, I mean, it uses the word leg legible. It needs to be legible, yeah. actually, in Section 64, I think. Um, its position in the whole document to avoid traders burying the onerous, difficult stuff at Clause 648B. Section 64 now, now we're trans. Now, now we're well, moving over into the prominence. You were talking about um, so whether the term is prominent or not, and I, 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 th I would say that doesn't really. I think you've gone possibly a step too far there in pushing transparency into prominency. Burying the term means that the term is not prominent, and I think that's section sixty-four-four. Well, uh, transparency talks about legibility, and and do we simply mean in a very narrow meaning of the word that that simply means that you yeah. can see and make yeah. out the letters that it's uh, it's not so faint as to be uh, uh, unreadable it, it does it have only that very very narrow meaning and, and i would suggest but i'm not a consumer lawyer that the the cgau would would take a very broad purposive approach because that's its normal modus operandum isn't it to, to look at a, 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 a really sort of a, a general thing what's the point of having section um, 64 4 then i mean i i think i think we do have to give each of the sections their own space as it yes, were to work yes so, <clears throat> well well don't don't you see that prominence in a sense could be uh, the sort of functional equivalence, to borrow Lord Bingham's phrase, that, that he would have used in Interphoto yes. Stiletto. You know, you're drawing sufficient attention yeah. to it. Now, you, you draw sufficient attention in, in lots of different ways. So you're making my point beautifully. Therefore, I I would tend to agree with you know uh, Tim's no. point uh, here. What? I'm edging my bed. I what is this? Agreeing with each of them so that I don't 
Transparency, prominency, you know, we go back to the beginning. Is it, has it been, is it an onerous clause? And if so, has it been, so it, it just shows how everything is interrelated. Yes, I agree. And it is true that, I think <clears throat> when I read the case, you know, I mean, we've all been, you know, we've all been teaching law for a while. And I think one lesson to me is that I still get surprised by, ah, yeah, I hadn't quite thought about it in those terms. So I think um, that is... I had a, a similar reaction to Tim here. So, ah, yeah, and it just makes you think and therefore it just makes you analyse again. And that's great. That's I love being surprised by things which I think I know completely. Well, one of the interesting things, I think, Bet Fred must have thought, uh, perhaps like uh, ordinary folk might think that don't know anything about consumer rights, uh, that if we put the terms that we're really bothered about in uppercase... <laughs> It's it's going to stand out. But actually, <clears throat> that ended up as yeah. being something of an own goal to sort of come out of gambling yes. into football <laughs> for a minute. Um, no, but I I think that I, I think Justice uh, Foster did make the point that actually that was not enough. Clearly, but, Well, again. I think I would go I, further. That can make it worse in a sense. Um, you, you know, when you in the old days when email got going and we were sort of taught sort of et etiquette of using email. Um, and these days, if you put stuff in uppercase, it looks yes. like you're shouting at, yes. at someone by that's email. Um, and yeah. that may be that's what Bet Fred in their, their minds thought. Well, we were shouting this because this is the very important clause to us. Uh, but the judge is saying, actually, that just makes the readability. Uh, that's a made up word. It's horrible. But you know what I mean? Uh, of, of the whole thing mm -hmm. so much worse because you've got bits of it in uppercase, then suddenly you go to lowercase, then you change the font, then you've got a side heading here and God knows how many sub-clauses there. The whole thing becomes unmanageable, if you like. And in a sense, what she's trying to say to people like Betfred or their lawyers is, is really that acronym that sometimes uh, barristers use, uh, KISS. So keep it short and simple. In fact, you could, you could add another S, stupid. <laughs> Yes, keep it short and simple, stupid. And that's really what they should have done. And that they've made it far too long, far too unwieldy, uppercase, lowercase, all the rest of it. Just made it worse, not better. Yes. There were lots of infelicities, and that's part of the infelicities. <laughs> Felicity again. Felicity, come back to haunt us, yes. I don't. I don't think we're really no. disagreeing. Uh, no. Uh, no. No. About no. this, uh, other than the power of the signature. I mean, that's that's a small point of detail, kind of like between us at, at the moment. That I don't see it as powerful as, as as Tim does. That's all. But he'll come back with some case to prove me wrong. You know there I you will. There you know is the I will. Gauntlet. There is the gauntlet thrown down. Ah, uh, another. What else do we like about well, can it? I, can I like? can, can I ask another question? Because I, I I forgot to mention at the beginning that it was you know a summary judgment. Um, yes. And oh, all, all civil litigators out there, you'll be into this. This is uh, part twenty-four, civil procedure rules. Uh, Magna Carta. How about this? If you don't like the modern stuff, I'll give you twelve fifteen for you. There's a bit in Magna Carta that says justice shall not be denied nor delayed. Now, summary judgment is about that, in a sense. Uh, it is the uh, ability to get a very swift judgment on a point that does not require the expense and the delay. You can see where justice denied and delayed is coming in now um, of a full trial, which might be two years down the line. So for Many, many years, um, uh, people as old as me will remember Order 14 of the rules of the Supreme Court. But now we've got Part 24. It's the same damn thing. So this summary judgment is I make an application to the court. I say, this is simple. This is straightforward. We don't need, in the interest of justice, a full trial. Give me judgment now. So Mr. Green's 
smart lawyers said, you know, this is the swift way to get your 1.7 million, my lad. We will go for summary judgment. And that cuts out probably two years and God knows how many pounds. Yes, I was. OK, so can, can I ask a, a question? Does that mean that uh, Bedford still has to pay the cost? Yes. Of? Haha. <laughs> yes. But there's the upside. There's a small upside for Betfred. Uh, obviously, the costs at the Part 24 stage, we're talking two months in into a civil uh, proceedings rather than two years. Uh, the costs, they have saved yeah. themselves some money in legal costs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, even though they were, Betfred was the one to contest, uh, you know, the need for a summary judgment saying that, you know, it raised the yes. important well, question. Were, okay. And so again... So, so what they're trying to say is... Um, you know, d don't give us, don't give judgment against us yet. We, we, yes. We've still got some arguments. You know, it's desperate, uh, I think. But anyway, <laughs> um, we've still got, <laughs> we're still in the game. If I'm continuing with these puns, we're still playing the game, as it were. Don't shut the door on us yet. And that's another aspect of Magna Carta, justice not being denied. So if they did have reasonable grounds for a defence, for an, an argument, then they should not have had a, a judgment entered against them. But if, when you look at the facts of this, this is primarily not a factual dispute at all, where it's one person's word as against another. That's the sort of arena where you probably should, all other things being equal, have a trial. This is not like this. This is pure contract law. This is why it's manner to us, as it were. Um, a point of construction, a point of law, some arguments about the law of mistake, which we've not yet talked about. Uh, and that is just so uh, appropriate, amenable to summary judgment. So it was right procedurally as well yes. as right outcome, I think. <laughs> yes. No, no. That is indeed uh -huh. um, very good. And I, I quite liked... Uh, I, I don't know uh, Mrs. Foster, but she's a uh, lady, no, uh, Mrs. Justice Foster, but she seems a very mistressy kind of person. No, don't give me that. It's, you know, uh, all the arguments have been swiftly. Yes, every uh, my love. With. Because A, she is a woman, and B, she's a litigator, and C, she's a was a barrister. So those three things combine to make her a no-nonsense sort of bod, I would say. Yeah. No, I quite, I quite like the approach. <laughs> <laughs> Although a few more cases wouldn't have harmed I know. I, I was going to say it's funny how when well, you look not, at it... it's not so... her job, remember, to come up with cases. Uh, it, it's the advocate's job to present. This is the English system, not, not the French system. Or the well, that's German even, that's system. even worse, though, isn't uh, it? You know, she is the umpire in a sense. We still have that kind of like cultural approach to civil litigation, coming off contract law a bit, and I'm putting my civil litigators lecturer's hat on. Um, but but anyway, it's it's down for the to the advocates to uh, draw to the court's attention uh, relevant case law. It's it's not her job. Hmm. So one one thing that that. I was wondering, I'm, I'm not quite sure I've, I've understood all the technical terms around this, but as I understand it, this was a programming error, wasn't it? Yes. Effectively. So, the, the, yeah. So it's re I thought it was really interesting that they even tried to argue that the, the, the term software yes. could, could incorporate this because, I mean, surely here the error isn't in the software at all. It's, it's far from the, the software was yeah. doing exactly what it was told yeah. to do. The programmer got well, it wrong. One so I'm wonders, really not quite sure yeah, why okay, they even one brought that from in. From a practical but... perspective, I don't know anything about these particular parties. But the software, um, if you look at the case report, was devised out of house, as it were. It was not. Yes. It was not Betfred. It was, it was no. a third party. So you know, you're talking about Betfred's uh, financial outlay through this. Yes. Uh, yes. In in strict legal terms, they would have a very good claim. Uh, Absolutely, uh, cut, I think that's cut why. and shut really uh, final yeah. oh, against yeah. the software company. Um, but we don't know anything about the financial position uh, of of the software uh, company. Uh, are you seeing where I'm going with this? And and yeah. so uh, that yeah, they yeah, may yeah. have difficulty 
passing that on, they, they would have probably somewhere in the documentation a contractual right of indemnity against the software company whose error this is. Oh, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they... <laughs> but, you know, it's one as, thing as well to say you've got a claim. Lawyers, I'm sure they're going to... You it's, know. A, it's another thing being able to extract the money. Yeah, exactly. That, 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 that yeah, would have been yeah. a neat way of blaming it on, on, on the software. Uh, well, they're, because they're the probably soft- doing that in the background, but uh, oh, you, yeah. you'd not be privy to that in these particular proceedings unless uh, Betfred seek to join the software company into the proceedings. And they've, they've taken a view about not, yes. not doing that, trying to keep this yeah. clean, if you like, and, no, and yes, simple. It is, it is interesting on these mm. two. Before we bounce off to common mistake, and which obviously I also have something to say, <laughs> um, we can't have a case with mistake and I don't say anything. I oh, know, but it was, it was so um, short. No, dear, dear listener, I've got to say now, dear listener, Tim's hot topic is the law of mistake. So he's, he, we can't end this podcast without Tim. Absolutely not, but we're keeping the best for last, <laughs> aren't we? Um, Do we? <laughs> section 62. <laughs> Uh, section 62.1 uh, of the Consumer Rights Act, uh, you know, the term to be unfair, um, where it creates a, uh, an imbalance between the parties. I mean, effectively, as far as I can see, these terms and conditions are essentially giving Betfred a, a discretion on whether they want to pay out. I mean, that has to be, you know, that creates an imbalance, right? That's, that's, uh, and, and not just that. What Betfred are doing is they're shifting the consequence of an error in the software or in, in anywhere, actually, not, not anything, they're shifting that, that risk that the consumer can't control in any kind of way. They can't check whether the software is working right. They're just shifting that risk over onto the consumer. I mean, both of those, to me, are signs that this has to be, you know, that this has to create an imbalance which is contrary to the requirement of good faith. I mean, we're not going down the good faith rule here. We don't even need good faith. And I mean, if you to, look at to, the schedule, there, there is a schedule, isn't there, in the Act, for, for people who are really uh, keen on the Consumer Rights Act. <laughs> I don't know if any listener here is still uh, with us, but if you're really keen on consumer rights, my loves, yeah. you need to look yeah. at Schedule 2. There's a list of illustrative <laughs> types of terms. And, and I think, Tim, you, you might... If you'd been the advocate there, if it had got that far, you'd probably be trying to draw some analogy with some of those on on what uh, we used to call the grey list, if you like, you know, these yeah. sort of obviously or more obviously dodgy terms. <laughs> yeah. That may, may be unfair, yes. Um, Quite likely. As opposed to the red list, or was it blacklist? No, blacklist, I think. Blacklist, uh, the terms that are unfair and may be unfair. I don't know whether yeah. I would call it... A contractual discretion here. I, I don't think that's, you know, that kind of, because it was an exclusion clause. So, I mean, maybe, you know, th- there is perhaps an interesting parallel. And I think, again, Mrs. Foster did say at some point uh, that, you know, if it reduces, you know, liability so much, it, you know, it, it it's quite serious. But I think that's not a contractual discretion as I understand it here. Uh, but maybe that just, you know, maybe I didn't read uh, carefully enough, but I I agree with the last point that you know that 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 you make. You know, there is clearly they were trying to put the odds into their favour. <laughs> Another. <laughs> oh dear. Oh yes, dear. I, I suppose I agree with Severin here that there is a sort of, in some instances, uh, quite a fine line possibly between a term yes. that gives someone a mm. right of choice, and you use the word discretion, yeah. and one which is excluding yeah. liability. But as a matter of construction or interpretation, you would have to find liability first, that there exists liability yeah. in order to then mm-hmm. uh, see that the term is then coming in at that point to exclude uh, 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 
responsibility to pay anything for that liability. Because if it was a contractual discretion, I think it probably would have been easier for Bedfred. So I think that's why, you know, it's not a contractual discretion as we understand it, because of course the term contractual discretion, you know, because then we don't need to worry about here whether it was in in the contract or not. So, but I I, I hear again another little light uh, lighting up uh, in my brain, that that's another, you know, interesting parallel uh, between all these, uh, con- you know, all these tools that are at the court's disposal to, you know, check uh, that the contract is, or the contractual process, as well as the contract, is fair and equal. And I think here, you know, looking at some of the expressions that... Um, Mrs. Foster used, she clearly was, you know, happy to give judgment for uh, Mr. Green. I I think it would be very hard to say it was a a discretion because that's sort of getting at the whole heart of the uh, contract of gaming. Yeah. You know, you you know, you don't put money on that X horse will win the derby, and uh, the deal isn't that you know you will only be paid whether the horse wins or not mm. at the discretion of the bookie mm. uh, that doesn't sound like much of no. a contract yeah. um on that basis well i'm sure i'm sure there was a term in there that i read that was along those right. lines whether or not they relied on it i don't know but i seem to remember something around around the uh, paying out part um that was a that was a discretion um, but I can't. I'm, I'm honestly, I can't find it. So maybe I. Ah, I dreamt maybe you that didn't last dream night. it, but the, you know, I. Well, I, this I is keep... this is possibly coming back to the infelicities of the contract. You know, if if a lawyer is having difficulty mm. remembering or finding a particular yes. point, and you've got God knows how many years training in law, uh, we assume Mr. Green is a better gambler than he is a lawyer. Uh, and therefore, you know, that that comes back to the, the point about the average uh, consumer, which I think you, you know, you were looking at Section 64. I think it was you, Tim, a few minutes ago. You were talking about Section 64 and it's there which they've got this idea of average consumer. Average so and informed. Yes. Yes, I love um, that expression. Who's that. reasonably well informed, yeah. observant and circumspect. Respect. So it's about this prominence, bringing it to the attention of the consumer. And what? who is this consumer? The average consumer is someone who's reasonably well-informed, observant and circumspect. I had to look that word up as well. It's sort of careful. Yes. Um, uh, cautious. Well, yeah. Mm. Diligent. Uh, yeah. Gambling on your phone at midnight for five and a half <laughs> hours. I won't say anything. Ah, uh, well, I suppose no, I <laughs> Fred could say to that point, Severine, you know, we don't uh, control when people gamble yeah. or for how long they're gambling. No, this clearly not. Be, this has to be a set standard, yeah. uh, which is applicable morning, noon or night, as it were. Yeah. I'm sure they have tightened that up. I was I was yeah. thinking, shall I try? But I thought, no, it's probably too late now. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think they realised very quickly. It is funny, I, I did wonder. They very quickly, otherwise there would be other claims. Yes, there would. Like yes. Mr Green. And, and I think it was just the uh, the fluke, in a sense, yeah. of the situation. Yes, it is. That, as you said in your intro, Severin, the guy had been paying, playing practically all night. Yeah. And, and I, I, I don't know much about the world of gambling, but mm. the number of people who do that must be relatively small yes uh, and the number of people who would continue for five hours at a stretch must be even smaller mm. and then then they realized as soon as mr green rings them up the following morning that they've they've got a, a problem because no. uh, three jackpots in three seconds I think. yeah whereas uh, i can't remember the stats now but the odds that they were working with were yep. infinitesimally small they were no point no 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 something or other yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, that was lovely. Okay, so team, <laughs> mistake, which Mrs. Foster mistake. just got rid of it almost instantaneously. 
Well, don't you think this was a bit desperate? Yes, this I was think a, it was. This was a desperate yes. attempt on the part of Betfred, wasn't it? I think so. But again, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I mean, yeah, yes, I think in this instance, yes, yes, you're right. Oh. Uh, don't say that very much, but yes, yes, um, I Sorry, agree. Sorry, Tim, repeat. Can you, I didn't quite hear that. What, <laughs> what did you say? I, I've but forgotten already. I think I made a mistake. Um, uh, I, I think the the reason I'm 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 slightly more cautious here is uh, well let, let me tell you why why I I think it was possibly not the right ground um, on which it was dismissed because I think the ground that that really should have been picked here was the fact that one party has taken responsibility and that is quite clear, quite clearly Betfred here if we look at um, uh, cases like McRae and and others, they have led Mr. Green to believe that everything was fine. There was there well, was no reason just for him to, to argue the toss with you to play devil's advocate, as it were. McRae is a bit different and could be distinguished by some smart lawyer, I think, because uh, in McRae, remember, they were saying to people, "Look, there's a sunken ship. Who wants to come and salvage it?" Yeah. That is an explicit. They were saying something very explicit, weren't they? Yeah. And so it would enable a court to say implicitly, you are warranting or promising or suggesting, if you don't like any of those quite strong words, that there is a ship to be salvaged. Yeah. But but that was much more explicit. Whereas in the Betfred case, you haven't got anyone really saying anything. Mm. There is no particular words or conduct. It's just in the background, perhaps Betfred's assumption for sure, that there isn't this, uh, you referred to it as glitch, uh, I would say error, mm. fault in their own uh, game. Mr. Green wouldn't have given it the first thought, mm. I, I'm sure. But that's that's what I mean. So he's taken. He they've clearly taken responsibility. He's he's quite right in not in not caring about it because it's yes. But but be careful really with this taking responsibility and using McRae because I think McRae is a bit different because something was actually said. There is a ship to be salvaged, whereas Betfred Betfred are not saying anything. Okay, so let's take let's take the great so piece. So, what then. would they have the said, as, Tim? Well, they, by by putting up the the option to bet, right on their website, it, they are they are essentially warranting, not warranting that this is, this is fine because that that's a promise that I I, I don't think they, they, I don't they, think there is enough there. Okay, they, for, they, for a they, promise and assurance well, assuming that, that each time there is a our game. Well, exactly. There was nothing wrong with well, the There was, there was nothing, nothing wrong. wrong. They're not saying play for five and, you know, play because there was a programming error with that they hadn't thought that, you know, anyone would play for longer than I can remember. So it's not as if they're saying, I don't know, I can't even get my head around, you know, how else was it that there was no mistake? That mistake could not possibly be, you know, it's not as if they're saying, uh, we guarantee that, you know, if you play for, you know, longer that the odds are going to, you know, I, I don't know. I well, the problem even... with, with mistake is that they were trying to argue as the only ground of mistake that they could possibly have argued, but it was desperate, as I said a few minutes yes. ago, a common mistake. So there's, there is an assumption, they're saying, on both yeah. sides that this... Thing, this game does not have this software error in it. But when you yes, sort of look yes. at that closely, that is only the assumption of Betfred. It's not the yes. assumption of Mr. Green at all or anyone like him playing that night or indeed any other night. Um, I, I agree with you when you talk about responsibility, but not in the sense of a warranty yeah, here, yeah. Tim. But more in the in 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 the sense that remember for the sort of law of mistake to kick in at all, 
this thing, ha this problem, as it were, this assumption yeah. of facts, which sh it turns out to be uh, yes, that was the wrong word. Apologies. Yeah, must not be the responsibility of, of either, either party. party. So that's where responsibility comes in. I would say not a warranty or assurance, as was happening with McRae, but because, uh, as you're suggesting, really, exactly. but I'm casting it in a slightly different way. Uh, the software, the only party who had control over the software is surely Betfred. Well, actually, technically, um, the... And therefore, the, the fault yes. is theirs. Yes, okay, the subcontractor. But between uh, Betfred and yeah. Green, it is only yeah. Betfred. Are you, are you with me? That's it exactly, is not something exactly outside yeah. of the yeah. parties. And that's really what the law of mistake is trying to get at. Just like the law of frustration. Uh, the sort of yeah. the sisters here cousins. or uh, kind of like siblings at any rate. They are sim they're, they're, yes. all right, cousins. They're, they're, they're similar in that of... sense. That this thing, this thing has gone amiss is outside of the control of the parties. And this mistake if we use it very loosely this error it was wholly Which within the control of one of the parties that's why mistake won't work here i would say Exactly, which is a much better ground than the one that is that, that is actually being argued, which is by the impossibility aspect. And I think there again, the impossibility isn't. They don't mean literally impossible. What they're talking about is frustrating yes, the commercial again, the commercial yeah, they're, they're purpose of the venture. Yeah, they're fixing Betfred's commercial purpose, but that's not really the question. It is the combined commercial purpose of people like Mr. Green on one side and Betfred on the other. You can't focus on one party's commercial purpose for the law of mistake. It's this combined thing that has resulted in this contract. It's entirely workable from the perspective of Mr. Green and people like him. Indeed, he was quite happy to play and kept playing and won 1.7 million. It, he would say nothing wrong with it. Great, it fulfills my commercial purpose. Yes. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. So that 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 point, I don't think is. I, I think you could cast it in different terms on 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 that point. I I entirely. I think the risk allocation that should have been the point that they were trying to make, and I think that that would have worked a lot better. And that would have that that's nail in the coffin. It's over. There's no common mistake here. But on that point, if we're talking about the commercial venture, I mean, you could argue that the commercial venture was a a sustainable betting contract. This was not sustainable. Every single time, Betfred uh, well, was no, going to lose. That, that, I don't think that's strictly true on the facts. Had Mr. Green played for an hour, say, and I don't know enough about the, the problem, the glitch, the IT problem here, he may well have not have won, certainly not 1.7 million. It was, well, it was no, the combination of having paid yes. for five hours straight yes. without any gaps. Yeah, that was the thing. The, the error was that obviously when they programmed the software, they didn't cater for They didn't factor that in, yeah, that yeah. somebody would be playing for, you know, longer than five hours. So clearly, you know, here the software programmer, whoever he or she is, is, you know, uh, yeah, it's, I would have thought that was such an obvious thing actually i thought that well was you know all anyway. of these things we could look at all of these I know, cases it, hindsight and is say with the benefit of hindsight absolutely th I know, I know, this absolutely. was obvious yeah. it wasn't obvious at the time was yeah it? yeah no no and, and don't you think there's another point there about it being obvious there's a there's another point there about being obvious that the the argument starts with this term excludes our responsibility to pay Mr. Green is not entitled to the money because of this term in our contract. Yeah. And then if they fail on that one, they come back and say, oh, well, uh, the whole commercial purpose of this thing is fundamentally flawed and based on a common assumption which we didn't have. The two things don't really hang together that well, because on the one hand, they're saying we have a term that provides for this. And then the next stage of their argument, they're saying, well, there is no term that provides for this. It was simply a common assumption that the game would function in a different way. Desperation. But, uh, 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 well, I would say that's, that's in the alternative, mm, isn't yes. it? 
Yeah, well, they're, they're <laughs> heading in the same direction in terms of outcome, but but they don't really sit that happily, felicitously. Oh, no. Is that a word, Severine? Uh, one with another, really. But couldn't couldn't we still say I'm 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 still pondering this this point early on. I mean, there is another argument I'm I'm thinking of making if we assume that 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 he Mr. Green actually knew about it. But I'll I'll come to that in a second. I mean, the question is 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 the contract without the quality right the mistake something no, which is only only from different. Betfred's perspective is it essentially <laughs> different? It it's not different in the abstract. Uh, or in their combined contractual arrangement, it, it's Betfred that that views it as being an entirely different game because, because the, odds, the, the against... odds are so much yeah. stacked against yeah. them. Yeah. If there is a player who plays for X number of hours straight without any without any gaps, without going to the loo, without closing his laptop, without stopping one game and starting another, you know, this was continuous gaming, mm. and I. That that is a significant point, I think. So there aren't there weren't thousands of Mr. Greens who won that night. I I think it was all good, one good, night, good for yes, them, as it were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, they go yeah. off light then. I have suppose. We, have we yeah. persuaded you? No, uh, that, come back with something else. This is sport. <laughs> it certainly is. It certainly is. No, I I just don't think. I mean, my my point was yes, I agree that is that that is a point. But out of the elements we could have taken in this case, it was not the strongest. The strongest argument was the risk allocation in this particular circumstance. I think, uh, and I think the heavying on on it being something essentially different. Yes, that argument can be made. Yeah, but I know. But if you're if you're the <clears throat> if you're the advocate for Betfred. Where are you going with that? Because you can't you can't say much about risk allocation because the risk allocation is with you, with say. your client. So well, exactly. You wouldn't say anything. You would yeah. you would try and leave it all out and just say, well, there's a common mistake. Um, I'm I'm thinking more for Mr. Green that their main emphasis should have been on one party taking Betfred taking responsibility here rather than relying on so, that that it was in, impossible or something commercial. Yeah. Well, they're, 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 I don't know. Do they say? impossible but they're saying commercially yes commercially they're heavy, they're heavy commercially entirely different, so different as to be a different game well they actually use the right. word impossible here and i think that's a misreading of i think uh, they they take the quote from uh the great piece shipping um yeah. and then uh, and then heavy on that impossibility aspect and i i think there um, actually reading the great piece a little further, and I think it's in paragraph 82 or some, somewhere further down, they actually clarify the impossibility point, and I think they may have overlooked uh, that. Meaning, uh, meaning commercially um, different. A pedantic point. Radically, radically Commercially different. different rather than impossible. Because impossible is, yeah. is rather an yeah. extreme but, uh, stance, isn't it? So they've rowed back a bit from that to exactly. say it's commercially... Uh, an entirely different beast, if you like. This is yeah. not. This is this is yes, not the they, deal if, that we made. Implicitly, it's a different animal entirely. That that yes, that's, and I think they, that's what they that's actually. At, I think if I if I remember the great piece correctly, I think they're making reference then to to Hong Kong fur actually in in terms of what what how they would read the terms. Um, uh, and and they they use the example of of. You know the one that we all know with the the lease of a room with a view to the procession, but there's no procession. That's that's the commercial yes. venture. So the it's not is, impossible. Is this yes? Is this a lease of a room, or is this a lease of a room with a view? And, and right, you're you're exactly. trying to make the argument that those two creatures are fundamentally different things. Yes. And, and what's difficult, don't you think, with the law of common mistake is. Um, the the heart or core of the deal is tends not to be explicitly made out. You're 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 trying to divine that as an inference from the whole basket of the terms 
what what really is the subject matter the purpose the the crux or core i'm trying to think of different words it's really the same sort of thing but but it's so hard to to put your finger on it because there isn't a particular term or word or phrase that a lawyer can alight upon you have to stand back outside of that if it's in writing and ask yourself okay what's what's this really about what is the guts of this deal exactly and the question is do the odds feature within that and i i don't think it's quite as clear cut as um as a judge no, makes so what out. you're saying is they could have made a better argument, a better fist on the mistake point and could have put that at the forefront of their arguments rather than these 24 pages of rubbish terms. Exactly. exactly. So are you, are you saying that they thought, so because of the glitch... The contract was fundamentally different yes. because they were exposed to a higher risk yeah. of having to pay out. Yeah. But again, I don't think that argument could actually would actually succeed. But I don't think well, there are, I don't there, think there's we can. There's a couple can... of points, no. aren't there? there? There were a couple of problems with that because yeah. you're then sliding into. But that the question, would not be a common is this mistake. A quality thing. Is the, is the quality of the thing, yeah. which is a, a difference, and that's a problem, isn't it, for the law of mistake? The, the... Well, not, not so much for common mistake. For, for unilateral mistake, that excludes... No, but the, that, the quality that, you know, of the you, thing you has to, to be so fundamental as to have changed yes. the nature of the thing. Now, that's, right. that, that's difficult, yes. isn't it? When yeah. you're saying the betting odds have got yeah. worse, that's a sort of spectrum in a sense so you've got to find a line yep. on that spectrum when the animal the contract that you thought you had has become a different beast are you with me and and that that's yes. quite difficult yes. isn't it to find where that point might be but also that would not work that would not work for the common purpose because i would have thought that you know they are at complete odds uh, with each other because the purpose of Mr. Green is to try to win <laughs> as much as possible yes. and, and the purpose for Bedford is to try to prevent them. So yes. in a way they get a taste of their own medicine that yes. actually here the yeah. odds were yeah. reversed and they didn't <laughs> like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the other point that one... I mean, the interesting... Taking that a little bit further, the interesting point that we might be able to draw, draw out of it is what if it, this was a glitch that was happening to every single player. So if you that played for 20 minutes... That shouldn't make any difference to the legal arguments, I would say. Seems to make the game something fundamentally uh -huh. are different. You, are you saying that if it is after 20 minutes, then it changes the odds? He would have won 1.7 million after 20 minutes. Is that and what? so therefore everybody would yeah, have won. Like therefore that. the risk... I mean, it's clear that as a as a unilateral mistake, this may work if it was a dis an error in displaying it or something like that. Then, and you know, this was happening across the board to to everyone. We the other party knew yeah, about you'd, it. You'd about need it. the other party yeah. to yeah. be aware Which of it, is, yeah. so it, you yeah. you don't get yeah. off base one with that either, do you? Well, which would be sufficient if it was happening on every single bet, right? If for if for for, for 20 so minutes straight, like you were a only cash winning. Machine, you know, spurting yeah. out money. Yeah. How would yeah. you know? I mean, I, I don't gamble. So I would have thought that, you know, if I win within 20 minutes, big odds, I would have thought, great. No, luck. that's that's still not going to work, remember, because unilateral mistake is a mistake as to the term, the existence of a term or the meaning of the term. Even Terms. in that sense yeah. that you, you're explaining now, where you're winning the jackpot after 20 minutes and then you play again for another 20 minutes and you won another million, that's not uh, realising that there is an error in any term. No. Uh, it's uh, perhaps an awareness that money is being paid to you by mistake, but that is the law of restitution or unjust enrichment, not the law of contract, I would say. Mm. Do you know what I mean? When when you're aware that someone moving, has yeah, paid you yeah. money by mistake, 
we we don't need a contract. True, we true. don't need the yeah. law of contract yeah. to to reverse that yeah. uh, unjust enrichment, as the the law the jargon now has it. And therefore, the analogy of you know the so cash your cash machine, point that's spewing yeah, that, out money yeah, that would is be. The law Good. of restitution yeah. and unjust enrichment. Nothing no, but to therefore, do with the law it, of you know, that is a clear-cut case that when yes. you ask twenty quid and it gives you gives you, you five hundred, you don't that run is, away and say yes because that's but, theft. You know, compared to <laughs> me, me playing for twenty minutes and me winning, yes. you know, the the the, the million, yes. I w- it would not enter my mind. No, so no. As a, you as just an think you've been very lucky, and, wouldn't you? You just think exactly. you've been very lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. We have managed to talk about mistake for a good while when Mrs. Foster dismissed it in two paragraphs. You're <laughs> oh, welcome. That's only the judgment. That's only the judgment. She may have. Exactly my point. It deserved more have, time. Have we done this to death then? Let's hope so. Let's hope so. I think so. it's a it deserves it. good time, you know, to stop because I think we are actually pretty much agreeing with each other we've we've argued you know can i say we've argued yes. the past or is that well it might be but i use um, that phrase <laughs> you're not going to tell me to stop using that no okay dear listener thank you very much uh for uh we are now an hour into it so for listening for over an hour and if you have Halden with without pressing the button on, no, that, that probably makes it worse. <laughs> Listen to us in a it, way. It's, yeah, it's time to go to sleep now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, night, so... night, night, night. Then, dear listener, if you've held on for that no, long, this is an inference <laughs> or an implicit warranty, Doctor Dodsworth. <laughs> That that email is yeah, mad. I, I don't think that would make it much more enjoyable, woman. to be honest. I don't know. Uh, night, 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 and remember that you can always get in touch with us. We now have our our fancy email uh, address, which is I think unpacking.contract.law at gmail.com. If you've got any questions, any ideas, any suggestions, yeah. drop them in. Does someone monitor this email? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we do. We do, of course, monitor this this email at least before before each session. Um, there's a quick glance into the email to see whether there are any interesting questions or suggestions. If there's any cases yeah. that yeah. really yeah. need discussion that you think we should discuss, I think that would be so fun. So, till podcast um, number nine, it is for us. Goodbye. Bye bye. Goodbye.